Good morning. This morning's reading is from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 16. It is he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Amen. Well, thank you, Meyer. Well, over these weeks, we have been thinking about what it means to be the church. And we have seen how the church is this diverse group of people who are drawn to Jesus from every tongue, from every tribe, from every nation and background to worship together and to live for Christ together in community. And the theme of this chapter in Ephesians 4 is unity. And Paul is trying to get us to capture afresh how radical and counter-cultural this picture of unity is. And when you have an incredibly diverse group of people worshipping together and truly loving one another, that that community which is modelled can become a witness to the world. And I just start with that reminder of what we've been looking at over previous weeks Given all that is happening in our world at the moment, especially around the death of George Floyd in the States and the effect that that is happening right across our world. What an opportunity for the church to celebrate unity and diversity, uh, to proclaim afresh that racism and prejudice have no place within the church, whether racial whether socio-economic in terms of class, background or education, or perhaps in other ways like the way that people view and treat those with disabilities. We do want to say that black lives matter, but actually more profoundly we want to say that all lives matter to God and to those of us within the church, that prejudice and racism have no place within the church. And it's one thing to say that, it is another to allow the Lord to search our hearts and to repent for times in the past and present when we have got things wrong or when we have stood silent when others have got things wrong, either within our own congregations or the global church. We mourn where global missions have been marred by colonialism, where there has been segregation within parts of the global church and apartheid because of race. Or just where people have walked into a local church and been looked down upon and treated as second-class citizens because of their race, class or background. 
Again, prejudice and racism have no place within the church. And we proclaim afresh as Christians that all of us are made in the image of God. All of us are of equal worth and value, not just in the Lord's sight, but also in our sight also. And that which we proclaim with our mouths must be matched by the attitude of our hearts and our practice as well. And we want to declare that as a church we are richer because of diversity. That a multitude of nationalities and backgrounds and cultures and experience brings a blessing to the church. And it's a, a, a reminder of that radical message of unity in Christ which Paul brings but also the Lord Jesus Christ prays for all so that we might be one in order that the world may know and that message is still radical and countercultural today and if we can truly model it enrich authentic love for one another then that can be a powerful witness for the gospel in our world at this time so the vision of the churches of this vibrant missional group of people gathered around Jesus from every background, tongue, tribe and nation, different ethnicities, rich, poor, men, women and children, all living for him and celebrating the hope they have found in him. And we want to celebrate that diversity, but we also want to celebrate the diversity of gifts, of personalities and experiences which are in the church which bring a richness to our gatherings a couple of weeks ago as we were looking at this chapter we declared that all have a part to play in the church all have something valuable to contribute all have different gifts which are essential and are to be utilized for the glory of god and the blessing of others and again, in some ways, that is a counter-cultural message to declare that all are of worth and all are of value and all have something to contribute. Not just those who are educated to a certain level or those who are at the risk of being wrongly elevated like the pastors or other leaders. Jesus and Paul provide us with an upside down model of church. The vision Paul wants us to grasp is of the potential that lies within every church and every member. He wants us to realise that God has placed good gifts into the lives of every person ready to be discovered and used for the glory of God. That each person is God's workmanship, God's masterpiece, created by God to do good works, which he has prepared in advance for you to do. God has a plan for your life and he has given you all the gifts that you need to fulfil that plan. You've been equipped by God for the role that he has for you to play. And the church needs that plurality of gifts to fulfil its mission and to be the hands 
and feet of Jesus in this broken world. You have gifts that I do not have. You have a personality that is different to mine. You have had experiences in life that I have not had. And Paul's vision is of the body working together, functioning in unity, each with their part to play to see the church built up and God's kingdom come. We read the verse which said Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. We asked a couple of weeks ago, what is the role of the pastor and others? And we noted that there are people who are placed into the church to equip the church for works of service. But they are in the minority, like a teacher in a class who is there to draw out the potential of the students and to teach and equip them for life and educational attainment, so pastors and others are placed into the church in order to equip the church and draw out the potential within a local congregation, creating a healthy, nurturing environment for people to grow spiritually and to flourish. And again, this is an upside down model. Sometimes we think of the church as a pyramid with the pastor at the top. But actually we should think of it as the other way around. The pastor is the servant of all. And the effectiveness of pastoral ministry is seen in how many people are being mobilised for ministry. You see if throughout the week there is only one person doing ministry, then we've got it all wrong. However, if during the week everyone is doing ministry wherever God has placed them and people are using their gifts both within the church and in the community to serve God and to bless others, then we've got it right. And that is a healthy model of church. And the role of the pastor and others who have that equipping ministry is to come alongside those serving, to serve them and encourage them and care for them and equip them. Of course, people need to be willing to be equipped, but where that desire is there to live for Jesus by all and to be equipped to do so, we begin to get a more authentic picture of how church should look like and function. And Paul's vision is that as all play their part, so the church would be built up and will be all the stronger for it. Your gifts and your contribution, and I'm talking to you all, there's no one exempt from this, is valuable. And when you play your part, we are the stronger for it as a church. And so we have this group of core leaders in the church who are there to serve and equip and release. And alongside our core leaders in the church, we have some staff members, people like Shirley, whom as 
This vision was birthed, we invested in her role, desiring to see the development of ministries within the church and the development of people serving within them. That as you engage in ministry, our desire is that you might find joy in serving and a nurturing, caring environment where we're all being built up together. We declared a couple of years ago that we don't want to see people burning out in ministry anymore or just losing that joy of serving so that whatever you're doing doesn't become a burden or a chore. We want you to flourish and we think of Charlene as well and just as there are a plurality of gifts within the body there needs to be a plurality of gifts among the equippers. It's not something that can be done by just one person, the pastor. And as I mentioned, Charlene, just an important note that comes to mind. When we think about unity in the church and the whole body playing its part, this is not just a message for the adults. As a church, we want to model all age ministry. We need to believe as adults that while we are there to bless the young people, there are also numerous ways that we can be blessed by the young people. And if any of the young folks are watching, I'm really thankful for you. And you have gifts that you can contribute to the church now that will be a blessing to us. There are ways that you can serve within the church now that will be a blessing to all of us and you have a perspective and an outlook on life that is different from the rest of us and we need to learn from that and our desire is that week by week uh, as a church family that we would be investing in you that by the time that you get to a point of leaving school that you would feel encouraged by the church, that you would know your identity in Christ, that you would know the gifts that God has given you and that you would have had opportunity within Findlay uh, to use those gifts and to grow in those gifts. So that as you get to the point of moving on from school and perhaps stepping into work or going off to university, that we as a church would have fulfilled uh, our responsibility to invest in you, to invest in the next generation and prepare you to be a blessing wherever God leads you next. So this is a vision of young and old, every member of the church playing their part. John Stott writes this, the whole body grows as all its members Again, young and old use their God-given gifts. These gifts are so beneficial both to those who exercise their ministry faithfully and to those who receive it that the body becomes steadily more healthy and mature. Paul's vision is this, that God's people might be equipped for works of service so that the body of Christ is built up 
until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. When the whole body of Christ is functioning as it should, Paul says this helps to fulfil this vision of unity. And Paul says it is also a picture of unity and maturity taking root in the church. When Paul talks about maturity, the Greek word he has in mind is kontarkiso. It talks about being fully equipped, fully grown, mature, complete and total. And there's a reason that Paul desires maturity in the church. And he tells us in verse 14 and 15, he writes this, Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Paul here is talking about the life of a believer and the change that happens in our lives over time. When we first became a Christian, like human life, our spiritual lives began at an infant stage where we needed to receive a lot of spiritual input from others in order to grow. And that's not surprising that we would need help feeding ourselves spiritually. But as the years go by, that should change until we reach a place of maturity, both giving and receiving, both being fed from the investment of others, but also spiritually able to feed ourselves and to feed others, to pass on what we have received. We should get to a place where we know our identity in Christ. We know how he has made us, the gifts that he has given us, and how we can use that within the church in order to bring glory to God. And we want to get to a place where we both know God's word and are living it out, where we are loving others and blessing others and the fruit of the Spirit is seen in our lives and the person of Jesus is shining through. That is the complete rounded faith that we seek to attain. And it is a work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And the desire is that we would get to a point where we have developed our own spiritual walk with God, where we are rooted and grounded in him, not easily blown off course, lacking in nothing for our Christian walk. Paul desires that we might attain to the fullness of Christ, that we might have a knowledge of Christ both in our minds but also in our experience that all of us together might know the fullness of God within the church. And Paul has been reminding us in earlier chapters of those spiritual blessings that we have received in Jesus. How does that maturity 
come about. Well, it's a life's walk with God. Eugene Peterson calls it a long obedience in the same direction. It is an ongoing discipleship in our lives as we submit to the Lord and his word and the work of his spirit in all seasons of our lives. We are to seek out others who will help to shape our lives and invest in us. But growth also comes from serving others and then putting into the lives of others. I have to say that the times that often I have grown the most is when I have stepped out and been in a position where I've had to give to others and in giving I have received. And growth has also come in my life through stepping out of my comfort zone to places that will stretch me and challenge my spirituality and force me to trust more deeply in God. Encouragement and nurture are important. But spiritual growth also comes as our character is shaped, often through times of suffering and hardship. We're mindful of the words of James 1, which says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The purpose of everything that occurs in our lives, trials, suffering, all these things that we go through is to bring around a spiritual maturity in our lives, to help us to grow up into Christ to become complete and fully equipped to serve him in this life. And I think this shared experience we've all been going through is part of what God is using to shape our lives and to shape the church for whatever might lie ahead. We don't underestimate the shifts that are happening in society at this time. Perhaps the landscape into which we emerge after this crisis will be different. There will be new opportunities and new challenges for the church. And God wants us to be ready for that, to be the spiritual people of God that he desires us to be. And I believe that this is a season of preparation, that we might become all that he wants us to be in the this next season, ready to embrace the gospel opportunities that are before us. I'm reminded of Colossians 1 verse 28 that says, He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. You know, we need to understand that equipping is primarily a work of God. Those called to equip the church follow his leading in the lives of people. We seek to discern what God is doing in a person's life or within the church family and how we can be used to serve him. He ultimately equips us and matures us as we abide in him 
and walk with him. Apart from him, we can bear no fruit. But we're blessed that we go on this journey together and God places into our lives others who help us to discern God's voice, what he is saying to us in each season and help to encourage us to grow in our gifts. And so the objective of those who are equipping the church is to do it in step with the Spirit in order that the church might be fully equipped and mature. And when that happens, the church begins to flourish. Church should be a community of people at all stages of walk in their Christian lives. Our desire is to see a constant flow of born-again Christians coming through the church, becoming infants and growing up into maturity in Christ. That is something we want to be celebrating. And at the other end, we want to celebrate all those who have run the race well, who have reached maturity of faith, for whom we can say as a church, well done, good and faithful servant. And thank you for being an example to us of a life well lived for God. That is a picture of the mature body of Christ. Not where everyone is at the same stage, but where people are at different stages, as is appropriate to them, depending on when they came to know the Lord. What we don't want is people who have stagnated in their faith, who have come to faith years ago, but nothing has really changed in their lives. That is not a healthy place to be. But it's never too late for God to start a new work in your life. Ultimately, the picture of the body, the church, is of a group of people who increasingly resemble Jesus, the one who is the head over the church. That's what we want. That is the result of good discipleship. A church full of people who are becoming more like Jesus every day. Well, as we end... Paul says, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I wrote down this quote a couple of years ago. It says this. Perfecting the saints means two things. Firstly, it means bringing individual believers to maturity. But secondly, it means welding together all those individual believers into one harmonious, united group. Bringing together dislocated limbs. Building up the body of Christ. Releasing the ministry of spiritual gifts. Teaching people the responsibilities of fellowship with one another. Enabling people to share life together. Praying for one another. Serving one another. Ministering our gifts to one another. Restoring one another. Confessing to one another. Forgiving one another. Admonishing one another. 
All this is part of perfecting the total body of Christ. That's our vision. That's what we're seeking to do. We want to be united together as one. Not just a group of individuals who meet together in the same church week by week. But a church that moves as one. That follows Jesus as one. We want to spot those people who are dislocated from the body. And bring healing and help to connect them again to the church. We want to build one another up and be built up together. We want to see the releasing of spiritual gifts. We want to be clear on our teaching that if you are part of the church, then there is a valuable contribution that you can make. And there is also a responsibility of fellowship on each one of us to protect the peace and unity of our relationships with one another, to honour one another, to speak well of one another, to protect that fellowship which God has blessed us with. And we want to see people sharing life together and enjoying one another and enjoying their relationship with God together. We want to be intentional about people getting to know one another so that deep, mature relationships in the Lord develop. And we want to see people praying together, serving one another, ministering to one another, loving one another from the overflow of that love that they have received from God and experience as a reality in their lives day by day. When things go wrong, we want to be a group of people that so love one another, that we're quick to confess to one another, quick to restore those relationships, quick to seek forgiveness and to practice forgiveness and to be reconciled to each other. That's the kind of community we want. And that comes about as we all play our part and allow the Spirit to work in us and through us. So unity and maturity, that's what we desire. Uh, we want to celebrate one another. We want to celebrate spiritual growth in each other's lives. We want to get to a point of rejoicing at the work that God is doing in us and through us for his glory and for his honour. I hope you're excited by that vision. I hope you're encouraged by it. Let's all play our part to make that happen.